This podcast is sponsored by the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Stick around for more at the end of today's program. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. You are listening to The Mortification of Spin, and it is great to have you with us today. I'm joined, as always, by uh, my co-host, Carl Truman of Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. I'm Todd Pruitt. I'm pastor at Covenant Presbyterian Church in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. And uh, it's great to have you uh, with us, uh, folks. So glad that you're, you're listening. Um, today, we have a guest. He is a repeat guest. He is, he is in that rarefied air of people that we allow to be on Mortification Spin more than once. I mean, Carl, would you say that we're pretty gracious about this? Yeah. I mean, I think in this person's case, it's because we, we couldn't believe how bad he was the first time around. So we're bringing <laughs> him back on to give him a chance to redeem himself. <laughs> this is, I believe, the uh, the third time we've had uh, the Reverend Dr. John Payne as a guest on Mortification of Spin. John is pastor at uh, Christ Presbyterian Church in, in, in beautiful, uh, historic, um, uh, Charlotte, uh, 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 South Carolina. Actually, it's, it's, uh, it's Charleston. How many well, adjectives was, you'd need to use while you were trying to remember where he's a pastor? I'm thinking Charlotte, because I, I, I was just talking to somebody in Charlottesville yesterday, and I, for whatever reason, I had Charlottesville. That's a different Virginia job, pay, completely yeah, different yeah. job. Charleston. Charleston. And I've even been to Charleston. I've eaten shrimp and grits in Charleston, I'll have you know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. In fact, this was a church plant, John, how many years ago? Yeah, so I think I, I did an interview with y'all you did? Uh, back in 2013, um, yeah. just before we... We started yep. the church plant, yeah, or while yep. we were just in the midst of it. So I remember that. And, seven and a half years. And How's now, it been going, John? Is it, are you thriving? Is it struggling? We're, we're <laughs> very encouraged. Um, yeah. We are You're building just, yeah, just a few days now from getting into our first facility. Um, we just did a, a big renovation project over the last six months, and God willing, we'll be having our first worship service uh, at the end of this month. It's great. I mean, I, I, you and I talk a lot and I follow you and your church on social media and it's just fun to see the, the growth of the church and the baptisms and uh, uh, so uh, really excited about that. And in a, in a city that, that very much like so many cities needs a good uh, gospel witness and a, and a reformed church. And so we're, we're excited for you about that, John. Well, John, welcome back. First of all, thanks for being with us again. You're a brave man. <laughs> Always good to be with my friends. <laughs> now, John, um, one of the things that, that we want to uh, talk to you about today is your work with uh, the Gospel Reformation uh, Network. Um, Gospel Reformation Network is, a, is, is really a, a brotherhood of, of PCA pastors. And 
explain that a little bit. And, and along with that, uh, what was kind of the, the issue that really brought you guys together, a, a group of, of, of PCA pastors who kind of had a common concern several years back, probably five, six years ago, close to that, maybe uh, almost seven. Yeah, about, about eight years. Okay, eight years ago. Okay. And uh, so, so kind of just who, who are the Gospel Reformation Network and, and what was that first issue that you all kind of rallied around to, to try to address? Yeah, so it actually launched after a really bad sermon at a general assembly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Harry Reader came out uh, into uh, the, the lobby and he expressed that we've got to do something to speak uh, some truth into the denomination about the doctrine of sanctification. Uh, so that was, you asked what was the rallying point. Uh, that was a rallying point. Uh, we saw a really bad trajectory in the PCA as it concerns the doctrine of sanctification as we understand it uh, biblically and, and confessionally uh, in the Westminster Standards. And so uh, we got together and we actually had uh, a conference uh, in Atlanta. And probably interesting, I mean, because it was not a whole lot of planning involved in that. And uh, there were like 150 pastors and elders that showed up and we had a few people speaking at it. And at that point, it was really just sort of th having that conference and, uh, and then kind of getting the guys into small groups after the various lectures and having prayer together for the PCA and also talking through uh, the doctrine of sanctification. And, and, you know, some may ask, well, what was the problem? Um, what exactly was or was not being said? And really at the heart of it, uh, Todd was a, a lack of emphasis on the third use of the law uh, as a guide for the Christian life. Uh, I think it, what we see in some circles is a kind of uh, antinomianism uh, where the law is not properly uh, taught uh, as uh, in its third use um, and where it's really focused on in its and its second use as that which shows us our sin and points us to Christ, which is, of course, uh, that certainly needs to be preached um, whenever we step in the pulpit. Uh, but what we see in the New Testament over and over in the letters of Paul and elsewhere is that um, after we are told that we are sinners and that we need Christ, then there is instruction for the Christian life. How are we called to live? And uh, we believed as ministers, and, uh, and certainly our confession teaches this, that the law of God, uh, when properly taught as a guide for the Christian life, doesn't conflict with the gospel or undermine the gospel, but actually sweetly complies with the gospel, uh, is what our confession says. And so we just wanted to bring some of that teaching in. And so really for the next four or five years uh, in the Gospel Reformation Network, a group of ministers uh, began putting out resources. We had some affirmations and denials that we published that you may remember uh, on sanctification. And it was about probably 20 or 25 of us that were in this kind of large group uh, network really is what it is uh, that were exchanging emails and encouraging one another and also trying to figure out ways to get uh, some solid resources into the hands of ministers, ruling elders, and ordinary uh, church members in the pew on the doctrine of sanctification. Yeah, I remember I, when I was little, just a little over seven years ago when I came into the PCA, um, I heard 
a, a, a leader of this movement, call it liberate theology or, or, or whatever. He's no longer in the PCA. And I was shocked at what I heard. I didn't know that this was being taught in the PCA. Um, I remember at one point he, he was talking about the uh, Jesus's parable of the good Samaritan. And he said that that parable has nothing to say to us about how we should treat our neighbors. I mean, he, he explicitly said that he said that it's, you know, about you know, the, the, the kindness of, of Jesus towards sinners, which certainly we would say, of course it is. But, but he was explicit to say it has nothing to teach us, to challenge us or admonish us about, about being a, a good neighbor, which, and, and it just went from, from there. So that, that was shocking to me. And, and even though a key leader of that movement is no longer in the PCA, um, I, I do see the influence unfortunately still persists. Now, I think the work that GRN has done in addressing that has been very helpful. So I'm not hearing that stuff as much as I was seven years ago, but uh, it's still there, unfortunately, to a certain degree. What are the, if it's sort of, if, if that is, I mean, maybe still an issue, but, but now more on the back burner, what are the pressing issues you're facing at the moment, John? Is there anything particular uh, is, is the group going to continue, in other words, are there, are there other issues that you need to address or, or has it fulfilled its function? Yes, thank you, Carl. A few years ago, we had that conversation uh, within our, uh, our network. And um, to go back just a little further, I was approached by some of the men to, to choose uh, a smaller group that could, could sort of, you know, it's when you have a committee that's 20 or 25 guys, it's not going to work too well. Uh, so I asked uh, just a few guys um, to be a part of a, a council to help guide the organization uh, to uh, and, and to expand our vision uh, for for the, the 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 network and our vision uh, expanded to speak into many different uh, aspects. It's some have have called it a, a kind of nine marks uh, for the PCA. Uh, Mark Devers organization, of course, speaking into some of the issues going on in the Southern Baptist uh, Church. And so we actually expanded our organization to speak to uh, many different issues, uh, but but all on on positive footing. Uh, so our, our purpose, Carl, is to cultivate healthy reformed churches in the Presbyterian Church in America. So we we do not see ourselves as a, a kind of another presbytery or. Um, uh, some other agency in the PCA. We are a network of pastors that are encouraging one another and encouraging others to be faithful to their vows as uh, elders in the PCA and to encourage congregations uh, to uh, recognize, you know, what it is our confession is, is teaching. And so we, we, we come alongside the church that we are a part of. It's all PCA people. If you'll notice on our website, we have all PCA people writing, all PCA people involved. Uh, and so we've wanted to keep that as a, as, as a focus, although we have invited visiting people to speak from time to time. Uh, but our, our, our vision and distinctives, uh, there are seven of them, Carl, and, and they are brought forth in couplets. Uh, the first one is we want to encourage biblical fidelity and confessional integrity. Uh, so in the PCA, you know, it's very common for people to come for ordination and take like, you know, a million and one exceptions. 
And, uh, and so we, we want to encourage confessional integrity that, uh, that really says, yes, I'm a, a Reformed Presbyterian. I want to hold to the confession of faith, teach that uh, in my church and, uh, and, and hold to that. Secondly, gospel-driven and Christ-exalting ministry. We do really want to encourage a, uh, a proper understanding of the gospel, proper motivations uh, uh, that, are, that are compelled by the gospel. Uh, thirdly, earnest prayer and expository preaching. Um, we encourage prayer from, from the closet to the pulpit uh, and have lots of writing on that subject, expository preaching as well. Uh, fourthly, intentional evangelism and personal discipleship. Um, we have noticed some trajectories within the, the Reformed Church that uh, there's always pre-evangelism going on, but not a whole lot of actual evangelism. Right, right, exactly. Um, going on the mission field and, and sort of doing life with people rather than right. uh, confronting people in love with the, the truth claims of Christ. And renewing the, the arts, John, renewing the arts. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine overseas was encouraged by one of our agency leaders to uh, take balloons into the park and do balloon animals. Um, yeah. He said, well, you know, the Lord hasn't called me to make balloon animals, <laughs> to preach the gospel and make disciples. Um, and then uh, personal discipleship and emphasis as well. And then fifthly, godly leadership and Presbyterian polity. Uh, so to encourage uh, piety in the pastorate. Um, I think we've all been around the seminary context in the past years, and we've, we've seen how uh, prevalent uh, pornography is amongst uh, seminarians mm -hmm. and how pastors are, are, are falling out of the ministry. Um, uh, regularly, and so the need for, for godliness within uh, the, the pastorate. Uh, sixthly, reform worship and vibrant community. Uh, we, we are committed to encouraging reformed worship uh, and the community that comes out of that. And seventh, seventh uh, missional clarity and church multiplication. We're, we're called to uh, not to transform the culture, but to make disciples uh, of all nations, which will be salt and light in the community. But um, this idea that the calling of the church is to uh, to change or to fix this present evil age is wrongheaded, and uh, we we encourage uh, the mission of the church, which is to make disciples of all nations through the through the means of grace and the, the planting and strengthening of biblical churches. Yeah, John, let me ask you a question. You know that that last point you made, um, and and instantly, I, I would encourage uh, PCA laypersons, PCA pastors out there to please go to the Gospel Reformation Network. Uh, go to their website. You know, as John said, they address these things positively. This is not a group that's, um, you know, angry. They're not a firebrand, although they do address, and I think necessarily so, um, uh, issues that concern us. Uh, they labor to do so in a biblical and very positive uh, way. Now, John, you and I have talked a number of times about <clears throat> missions and kind of well, I mean, we have within our denomination, the PCA, some real different visions about how, how missions are to be done. And, you know, you mentioned this idea of, of transforming the culture. And, you know, that language can get a little tricky because on the one hand, um, you and I would say, look, you know, uh, public, you know, uh, wickedness, wickedness within the uh, the, 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 the civic realm is a bad thing. We need to speak out against that. We want to push back against the darkness, so to speak. We would love 
for our lawmakers and we pray for lawmakers who will repent and, and take measures, for instance, against abortion and those kinds of things. You know, if, if that's what transforming the culture means, well, we can have a conversation there. The problem is it's, it's when we get into some of these definitions and we start hearing visions like renewing all, you know, partnering with Jesus in his renewing of society, his renewing of the culture. And that's where it begins. I begin to get sort of confused about this because I begin to wonder, now, are we waiting for the eschaton or, or are we partnering with Jesus to bring about a new creation here and now? And I've actually had a hard time getting a straight answer on that from some of my brothers um, in the PCA, which leads me to believe, what do we what do we actually believe about the eschaton and the mission of the church and uh, the, the, the fate of this present evil age? Is, is Jesus going to judge it like he says he is in the scriptures? Or is it going to just gradually become renewed in some way? Are you hearing some of those same confusing messages that I am, or am I just mishearing? Oh, there's no question. Uh, there's no question that uh, this, this kind of teaching, this kind of thinking is, is pervasive. Uh, in, in the PCA is kind of a neo-Kyperianism run amok. Um, yeah, right, right. You know, the, I just finished preaching through the book of Acts and I've been in the book of Acts for about a year and a half. And what I like to say in response to this question is look at what the apostles were doing. Look at what the apostles yeah. were, pre- listen to what the apostles were preaching. And when you look at the ministry of the apostles, which is the outworking of the Great Commission, they are doing what Jesus told them to do before he ascended into heaven. And, uh, you know, I guess that's that's too elementary for for many of the sophisticated sociologists, theologians within our our realms. But I like to go back to to say to saying, look at what the apostles were doing. They they were going into the marketplace, going into the synagogues, going into uh, the public squares, and they were preaching the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, which, by the way, was highly offensive to many Jews uh, who wanted to kill them for saying it. And it was highly offensive to the Gentiles. When Paul was preaching this message in Ephesus, it was not a popular message in the public square. Um, And so while we may see... uh, differences in the way Paul approaches, uh, you know, Jews and, and Gentiles, uh, Paul in the synagogue or Paul in, in, in Mars Hill, uh, we don't want to overdo what Paul was saying there. Uh, and, 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 you know, a lot of our progressive brothers will say, well, look at the way Paul talked to uh, the folks on Mars Hill, and it was very different. And so what they do is they try to defend uh, their, their own kind of embarrassment of the Bible by looking at Paul on Mars Hill. Uh, but Paul preached repentance. Uh, Paul may have begun in a different place in his sermon there, but um, uh, with creation rather than with the Abrahamic covenant. But, right. but Paul was bold, uh, always preached repentance. Uh, the apostle Peter as well, uh, always preaching the resurrection. And, um, and these were not popular messages, and yet they preached them anyway. And, and what else were they doing? They were planting churches. And they were coming back behind uh, and strengthening those churches uh, through preaching and teaching and discipleship. And so the GRN really wants to to recapture that vision, which we believe was the vision of the PCA um, when it was founded. And the PCA uh, was not perfect and never will be perfect. There will always be struggles. 
and uh, there will always be need to uh, uh, to reform, as it were. But uh, we don't want to reform according to the culture's definition of reform. Mm. Uh, we want to reform according to Scripture and according to our confession. Picking up on that, John, I mean, it, one of the things that you're you're saying very clearly is that the GRN has a sp- specific vision for the PCA. That uh, and you were talking there uh, in terms that sort of indicated you feel perhaps it's moved from its original vision and you want to sort of restore that original vision. How do you avoid as the GRN becoming a lobby group, a kind of church within the church? One of the things that you know, I, have, I have many gripes about my own denomination, the OPC, but one of the things we're sort of pathological about or, or have been until as far as I know, we still we don't form groups within the church to do stuff like 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 you're suggesting. You know, it has to be done through the courts of the church. Now, that is is a position that I'm really pretty comfortable with. And while I, I listen to your speaking, you're putting forth a vision that I very much agree with. How do you avoid becoming? The, the sort of the conservative equivalent of the national partnership in the PCA. How, how do you avoid that kind of temptation? And that's not a criticism, by the way, of the national partnership. It's just they're the obvious example of the other. It's not for me to criticize. I would I'll, never criticize, criticize I'll, I'll criticize them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, how do you avoid the? How do you avoid somebody like me, as I have done in the past, pointing the finger at you and saying? I think this looks like a lobby group. How can you criticize this other lobby group when, when you're kind of a lobby group? So, yeah. <laughs> As a serious one, I just wonder, how do you avoid... Just tell them to go uh, back I mean, to I know England you, well and to you don't want to go there, John. That, that's not what you want to do. But how do you avoid the appearance of that or, or the temptation to, to blur the, the sort of boundary between a, a group that comes alongside a church, as you've said, and a group that is really canvassing to to get the votes out of the key points. Yes, thank you, Carl. And that's a that's a very fair question. And the, my first answer would be: I don't know that we could ever totally avoid having that appearance. Um, I think that when when people perceive of us as a kind of mm. um, alter ego of the national partnership, um, you know, they're they're. I think uninformed in some ways when they say that, but I recognize that the perception um, is there and it's not always unwarranted with some of the things that we, we do and say uh, with that said though, uh, we have been very purposeful in not becoming uh, strongly political. Uh, we we've never told anyone how to vote uh, we, we, while some of our writing, of course, would, um, uh, would, so for instance, we have done a lot of writing and speaking against side B gay Christianity here as of late, um, since the emergence of revoice happened, a lot of people have been concerned about that. And so we have, um, uh, spoken into that, uh, that controversy as it were. Now, when an overture comes to the general assembly, uh, say like the Nashville statement, uh, there were people on our council that were a part of writing that. <laughs> and it's, they were part of the, uh, the, the origination of that document. And then there were those who were part of putting forward an overture from their presbytery. Uh, so that's where you have a network of ministers who are coming together to do something like the GRN 
But as you know, um, a lot of times guys are wearing different hats, right? And so while it was not a, a, a you know an official ecclesiastical action or telling people how to vote when we would have an article say on why we disagree with Greg Johnson's positions or his 2019 Christianity Today article, uh, we never told anyone at any point, this is how you must vote. We never b- would bind anybody's consciences to do that. Whereas the National Partnership, quite literally, uh, a, a few years ago, I don't know how much of it's going on today. I just don't know uh, because the National Partnership is, is not an upfront network. It does not have a website. Um, it does not have um, anything public where it could be scrutinized. But it, it did come out uh, that they were um, they had a, a voting system on the floor of General Assembly. Uh, they were using instant messaging and that kind of thing. To, correct. To all of their folks. Yeah. Quite literally, hundreds of people were looking to one person to know how to vote. And uh, that's and that's that's the extreme version of a voting block. Um, now, they will also have emails and things and, and everybody knows how to fall in line. We have never told anybody how to fall in line with the GRN. We simply put out uh, articles which are mainly theologically and confessionally driven. So we're calling people to believe what they've taken vows to uphold and defend, which we believe in good conscience we can do. And so I would say, Carl, we're more or less um, a, a, a kind of you know, larger network. And we do recognize that we have some influence with some of the guys on the council and everything. Uh, so we don't want to act like that's, that's not true. But at the same time, we are purposeful in our not becoming a political organization. And I can, I can tell you that I have received probably 50 emails over the last eight years of guys saying, why isn't the GRN doing mm-hmm. more as it concerns uh, getting people into positions of power in the PCA, getting people on committees and getting the... I have received so many emails and every single time I respond with, we don't do that. That's, that you need to do that working at Presbyterian. Um, so, well, what's interesting? What's interesting is that guys who know that I know John will also send those same emails to me, saying, "Hey, you need to pressure those guys on the GRN to start rallying people and, and voting and getting this system down." I I get lots of those just because people know that I know you. So that's really interesting, and I and I respond the same way, saying, "Look." I know John, I know some of those guys, and, and they really want to avoid the same kind of tactics that the National Partnership uses. I mean, they're, they're pretty intentional about not doing those kinds of things. And, and that makes guys who otherwise agree with me in terms of, of uh, you know, theology and, and commitments, that kind of thing, frustrated with the GRN for not doing enough. So, Todd, you need um, to stop sending so, those emails, man. You've, you've heard it now from the, from the horses, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much everybody, yeah. you know, has a problem with us. Uh, the, the, the super conservative guys who really want to see us take political action are, are displeased with us and want to see us do more. And the progressive guys think that we're uh, out of line. And, uh, and so, you know, we're, we're trying to Again, speak yeah. truth into the PCA and, and entrust it to the Lord. We don't believe we are the saviors of the PCA. Uh, we don't believe that everything hinges upon uh, what the GRN does. In fact, if you look at our right. website, you know, it's, 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 it's very um, modest. And we have an article coming out every couple of weeks. And we, we do have some video stuff, resources. 
Um, but we, you know, we don't, we don't claim to be, we don't want to be the gospel coalition of the PCA right, right. or anything and, and like I, that. I, again, I would encourage folks to go to your, <laughs> your website. Um, one of the things that I've appreciated about the Gospel Reformation Network is its transparency, its openness, its upfrontness. Um, and, and that's been encouraging. And again, you know, like you said, John, the, the, the stuff you all publish, the videos you all produce um, are, are not a, a rallying cry for particular votes and particular um, uh, overtures. It's, it's stuff that encourages, you know, me as a pastor, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of certain things as I move into the Lord's day, when I'll, when I'll click on your site and, and read or reread an article. And those are, those are a source of encouragement before, um, uh, before Carl kind of wraps us up, you do, you all have, uh, first of all, you hosted that wonderful event two years ago, just, uh, before general assembly on the doctrine of well, well, just addressing uh, things like sanctification, uh, sexual orientation, uh, same-sex attraction, that kind of thing. And it was excellent. And those videos are available. You have another event coming up um, in May um, that's going to be held at Briarwood PCA in, in Birmingham. John, what's going to be happening there? Yes, that'll be May 5th and 6th. Um, the Briarwood session just uh, approved that uh, to be held at Briarwood, which is where the PCA started in 1973. Right. And uh, that, that conference, while it will have an in-person uh, dynamic, people will be uh, encouraged to come and to be there presently. We're going to really focus on the virtual side of things so that pastors and sessions can gather together and listen to lectures uh, from uh, leading men in the PCA uh, on some of the issues that are uh, plaguing the PCA. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those, of course, would be the social uh, justice and critical theory uh, that is yeah. taking root. If we uh, look at the two very prominent articles that have come out in the past year, uh, one by Greg Johnson on gay celibate Christianity, uh, and also a recent one by Christina Edmondson mm -hmm. uh, on uh, the racial injustices, and um, and then of course you know the the newest. Uh, uh, MTW Network Magazine, yeah. what racial justice have to do with missions. And I underlined several things in that issue, which were a, a big concern where we have mm -hmm. adopted kind of the uh, assumptions of the culture as it concerns race, as it concerns social justice. And, and so we're going to speak into those things. And uh, there'll be a state of the PCA address as well. And, uh, and encouraging the PCA uh, to be who she's called to be. Uh, 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 True to the scriptures, uh, faithful uh, to the Reformed faith, and, uh, and obedient to the Great Commission. That's what we want to call the PCA back to. Good, good. Well, it's been great having you on, John. Good to see you again. Uh, I didn't get to do my dramatic reading from Sports Heroes of Soccer, <laughs> as, uh, as usual, but I do recommend that. It's a great book for anyone out there if you want to know the, the intimate story of John Payne, Coverboy. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful little book on some of it. Yeah, Sondermann. Uh, so, but anyway, thanks for coming on, talking about the Gospel Reformation Network, John. Uh, John Payne, as you know, is the pastor of uh, PCA Church in Charlotte and in Charleston. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> My friend uh, Todd. Mm. Please do visit the Gospel Reformation Network's webpage, which I think is gospelreformation.net. In the meantime, all that remains is to thank John for being on the program and to thank you all for listening.
Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. We need a dramatic reading from one of my favourite books, I think. <laughs> John Payne, cover boy. I love that chapter. <laughs> you know, I knew I knew I was going to be given a hard time this morning, but I'd forgotten about that book. <laughs> I love this. Nayara, we need a picture of this for the <laughs> yes. website when we do when we launch John's Definitely. interview. Definitely. John Payne, cover boy. <laughs> <laughs> That is embarrassing, I'll tell you. It begins oh. with Sports Illustrated, the Bible of the sports world. <laughs> John is never going to live down that sports hero saga. Especially if, while you're alive. Yeah, I'm so glad, so glad to find a copy online a few years ago. We've all faced unprecedented challenges here of late, and the church has not been immune. Unable to gather, many have drifted away. Still others languish in churches that have forgotten the creeds and confessions that give clarity and focus to our faith. The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals exists to proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a reformed awakening in today's church, and we need your help. To be salt and light in a dying world, we need a strong and committed church, equipped with the truth and ready to serve the gospel. Your prayers and financial gifts enable us to produce and deliver solid resources from trusted authors, teachers, and speakers in print, online, at our signature events, and on the air. You will make a difference for today and for eternity when you give online at alliancenet.org donate or call 1-800-488-1888.